Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the very festive edition of the Hollowdell Media Podcast. Uh, and it's the last uh, podcast of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. It is indeed. We're talking to you now from the in-betweeny bit. Mm. In between Christmas and New Year, otherwise known as the hangover. Yes, 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 yes. Often lots of people go back to work. It's a bit of a miserable time, but... It's happy to say that we are coming out on bank holiday. Yes, we've got an extra day off. Um, It's putting a horrible year behind us. We're not going to talk about all the nasty new strains that are making themselves known as we speak. No, let's keep the festive period, well, as much as it is, because obviously plans have had to be changed, but let's keep it as a quarantine zone. Yes, yes. You and me were had plans to go and see our family up until, what, like less than a week ago? Yeah, and like days before. And now to keep them safe, we're no longer seeing our family. Um, we're here. Um, yes. And we're broadcasting to you on this very festive special occasion. And I've got good news for you, Rob. Oh, yes? Very good news. What's that? Well, some people might be afraid that Santa Claus wouldn't be able to find us. Not being at our parents' house. True. Yeah, well, oh my God. Well, well how do we get our presents? Well, luckily, there's a fireplace in my room. So uh, there is. And I left a pair of dirty socks just next to it. Why? That's where the laundry basket is. Right, okay. But, so they're just there. Mm. But, next day, I looked in the basket and something... Miraculous had happened. It's a miracle, Rob. A Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle. Oh, goodness me. What is it? It's Christmas sockings. Sockings. Lovely penguiny sockings. Santa's given you some gifts and I've got some gifts too. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a surprising start. Yeah, this is amazing. Oh, oh, oh. I've got chocolates. A present on the floor. Oh no, not this toilet roll. Paper. Rob got a cardboard tube. Chocolate coins! It is Christmas. Oh, I got chocolate coins. Thanks, Santa Claus. What else have you got? Reach deep into the sock. Oh my goodness me! It's a, <gasps> it's a good one. It, what is it? Is it a tangerine? It's a tangerine. Oh. I've got one too. Um, so, so for those of you that don't know, we discussed on the night shift recently how hard it is to find out whether a clementine, a satsuma, or a tangerine is the right one to buy because they're not always tasty. By the feel of this tangerine, that's a that's Are a you really, happy with that? that's a state of art. Very good. So you got yeah. you got a cardboard tube. That's yeah. cool. You can look through it. Yeah. Yeah. I got some chocolates. I got some chocolate coins. Oh. And I got £20 in cash. What? Where? Santa. Santa. You, oh, Santa. Santa loves me. Santa. But I don't want the toilet. I, I want You're, £20. You keep thinking I want of, £20. You keep thinking of it as a toilet roll. I want, what it is, is a cardboard tube. You can create can I have any... 20, can I have £20, please? You, Are you going to split that with me? No, it's mine. It was in my, it was in my socking. Whatever. I guess it's... Maybe I've been naughty this year, I suppose. I'm having a sip of mulled wine. (laughs) Yes, we've got mulled wine on the go. Freshly made from the slow cook. I haven't had it yet. Ooh, that's very tasty. 
Oh, yeah. It's got special afterbirths. I put uh, some extra, I put so pre-bought more wine, but I put some orange slices, cinnamon and cloves in mm. to make it slightly extra. It's very good, very good. Mm. Um, so, as... I'm going to have a chocolate coin. As today is a very... Well, do, you want a, do you want a festive pork pie first? What? I've got festive pork pie. Oh, my God. This is the most wonderful occasion. It's just popping it. It's just pop into the fridge. Spend my Santa money. I'm gonna buy myself. Why? Well, these are nice. I'm gonna buy myself some pork pies. So what? What makes a festive pork pie? This is from a special pork pie. I, I sourced this from a special pork pie designer called Sansbury. What? Yeah. Um, and it, it's pork, two pork Stilton and cranberry. Two pork and stuffing, and two pork bacon and chestnuts. I mean, they sa- that sounds good. What? I don't but know there's which no one. way of don't knowing. Know, so we're going to have to guess. Okay. Right. We'll do this maybe throughout the show. I reckon this is cheese. I think you're right. Mmm. What, what was it? Stilton and... Stilton and cranberry. No, I'm not really getting that. Not going cranberry. What are the other ones? Pork and stuffing. Could it be stuffing? Yeah. It smells cheesy. Oh, I don't know. Let's get on with the stockings. Let's get the stockings. Yes, but oh god, Um, put that down over here. So yes, what have we got on the show? Right, so we've got Fortnite, Sportlight, and guess what? We've got some more absolutely ginormous movie news. Oh, bad news. um, (laughs) More shaping, changing of the movie industry. The beginning of the end news. The first in a long line of falling dominoes of death. Hooray! Yeah, um, and we're also talking about what is highly regarded as the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Yes, this is my top one. If I was to watch one Christmas movie for the rest of my life, it's this one. It's it's a wonderful life. Ah, ah, what a masterpiece. Um, so we're going into that, and also um, some other Dickens, and we're going to be exchanging presents throughout. How mm. wonderful for you to listen to us exchanging gifts. Yes, we're, we're you presumably already had your gifts, or you're waiting to have a second Christmas. Mm. That's exciting. That's a positive spin. It is a positive. You might spin. have multiple Christmases this year. Exactly. It's, it's great. So, yeah, this is our mini Christmas we're having right now. Um, let's get into one of my first reviews, shall let's we? Let's get into it. Festive Film Review, Soul 2020. Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at seven. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Huh? Is this heaven? 
No, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> okay, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't. We can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. It's often been said, mostly by me, that the best Christmas films need to start with death, suicide or despair. Don't judge me. Look beyond the glossy, Christmassy, child-friendly films and it's there for you to see. Not that Pixar has ever steered away from the grimmer parts of the human condition. Sure enough, on Christmas Day, Pixar released their latest film on Disney+. Soul. Introducing Joe Gardner, played by Jamie Foxx, a middle school music teacher with dreams of making it on the New York jazz circuit. Crippled with terror and offered to become a full-time teacher, fortune shines on Joe when a former student calls him with an offer to play alongside jazz legend Dorothea, played by Angela Bassett. Visiting Dorothea later that day, Joe plays the piano, losing himself in the music as he enters the flow state and is offered a job on the spot. Blown away and excited beyond belief, Joe rushes home and falls down an uncovered manhole. Waking up in a different plane of existence, Joe is horrified to find he is on the fast track to the great beyond. But unlike the souls he meets, Joe isn't ready. He has a gig tonight and nothing will stop him returning to Earth. Fleeing the conveyor belt to the afterlife, Joe finds himself lost in an infinite wheat field. But this isn't purgatory. Finding himself in the great before, Joe discovers the new souls waiting for their chance on Earth and their spiritual guardians, known only as Jerry. See, new souls don't just get born on Earth, they're taught, trained and granted the opportunity to develop personalities before finding their physical hosts. Only when they have completed their badge of honour and indeed found their unique spark are they granted access to Earth. Seeing an opportunity, Joe poses as a celebrated expert so he can teach a new soul, steal their badge, and return to Earth in time for his gig. Unfortunately for Joe, he's assigned Soul 22, played by Tina Fey. Now, 22 isn't like other souls. 22 just doesn't want to gain a life, and there's nothing Joe can do to convince 22 otherwise. But there is another option. Joe, like many others out there, is able to enter an altered reality, the so-called flow state. This special place allows souls to travel beyond their mortal bodies and into a shared part of the universe, a part that is accessible to those in the afterlife. Meeting a hippie by the name of Moonwind, played by Graham Norton, Graham Norton of all people, Joe and 22 are given the tools to be able to reaccess Earth by their own path. Unfortunately for Joe, his soul doesn't re-enter his body, but instead enters the therapy cat placed in Earth Joe's hospital room. 22, meanwhile, finds themselves inhabiting Joe's body and is finally shown what the sight, smells and experience of life can truly offer. But the film doesn't end there. A spiritual accountant by the name of Terry, played by Rachel House, has realised that the count is off. A soul is missing. As Joe and 22 roam free in New York, discovering the depths of experiences in life, Terry is hot on their heels, desperate to return the balance to their figures. Let me come straight out of the gate with this. Soul is breathtakingly beautiful. 
earth when shown is stunningly realistic, with shining light bouncing off textures you would not even dream of seeing in an animated film. The characters, while cartoonish, look and feel more real than anything I've seen before. The themes and messages found in Soul 2 are beautiful, while the story follows Joe desperately trying to return to what he believes he deserves in life, we see 22 experience and see the light a new and uncompromised way. Soul informs us that life is for living, that fixation and obsession is the path to losing oneself and turning your soul into a haunting Tim Burton creature. It's also full of laughs and is, overall, an enjoyable watch with an outstanding soundtrack of both jazz and some wonderful electronic tones from Tent Reznor and Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails. But then, hold on now. For all these positive soul feels a little hollow. Oh sure, the messages are important and the overall tone is uplifting and ticks all the boxes for a Pixar family film. But from a story perspective, I feel like there's just little to get invested in. Certainly by the third act. Everything just sort of comes together. The stakes feel unearned, with only one scene that comes close to the mark in delivering the emotional pathos I'd imagine from this premise. What does that mean? Let's be honest, I mean it didn't make me cry. Pixar has forever been the studio able to really twist the knife and drive its message home. But after watching Soul, I didn't really feel anything at all. And I'm not sure who out there would. With Soul, there was an opportunity to really sell the human experience, to encourage introspective thought and find who you truly are. And yet it just sort of ended. Look, if you have Disney+, Plus, then by all means watch it. But if you want that kick of emotion, uh, I'd go back to Wally. Mm, this weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day. And I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh. Rob? Yes, yes, yes. Presents, presents, presents. There's wrapping paper things on my feet. I want one. This is a, a, a foodie... Oh, com- God, you got me two. This is a foodie combination. This is the food round. Uh, audience Ugh. members, you'll know that this is a... We are food connoisseurs by trades. Um, that's they're the, really heavy. You don't need that, really. I don't know why I bought it for you. Open it. Okay. Just open it. Open this, it. This, is a, this is put mine to shame. I'm not so what's sh- this one? So, it's a bottle. It's a... Ruby Port. Adam likes port, um, Hollowdale Media fans. Um, he's a port man, and he drinks port. Served with hard and soft cheeses. Mm. That's that's absolutely right. Shall I open your one? Um, yeah. Mine's going to be very underwhelming now. So, oh, I figure people are doing different traditions this year. People are stuck at home. What the hell is that? Is this this Turkish stuff? So I've bought Rob some baklava. Did you get you got this last year, didn't you? I got it for something. I can't remember what it was. I think I just got it because I was bored. This but is, this is a proper one. This is a proper platter. I'm going to open it and have one bit because anyone who hasn't tried baklava before, it's absolutely delicious. Or baklava, some people call it. Mm. 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 Oh, it's sweet, delicious. Mm. Oh my God, it's so sticky. And it's made by Dad Limited. <laughs> Do you have a dad? If your dad was killed in a violent um, snowplow accident, you can buy Dad Limited baklava and pretend you still have one. Yeah, I mean, 
It's also Eid's also cancelled, so this is a, a shout out to I'm just making excuses because it's naff and bears. What's this one you got me? It's that's, heavy. That's the main event of the food thing. My god. Yeah. Right, so. Oh. So Adam um has, some sort of jar. Are you have been saying I've heard many a conversation saying that you want a certain kind of um, I think I know what it is. eatery to open up in our lovely market town of Hitchin. Yeah, right. There's two things I love about Christmas, and both of them involve going outside and going to markets and events. Mm. And there's neither. So I think I know what Rob's job means. I have bought Adam some American big old <sighs> hot dog sausages. The Brooklyn Dino's famous big dog. Yeah. So this, you need to get yourself away. You need to get on that grill. You need to grill these bad boys up, and you need to stick them in a bun. With some mustard and onions and cheese, and go down to town on it. Do you know what you should do? Get a hot stick, poke it in it. Right. That's how they do it in America. Or make a corn dog. Basically. Oh. Just a hot thing, turn it around. Okay. Just turn it around. All right. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm, nom, nom, nom. No problem. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the first round of presents, guys. Thank you for, for humouring us. This must be really good to listen to. Yeah, I'm going to have a little sip of wine. So am I. I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. So let's make this simple. I say name, you say Scott Calvin. Name? Chris Kringle. Name? Sinterklaas. Name? Père Noël, Babo Natale, Pears Nicole, Papa Gigio. Okay, Calvin, maybe a couple hours in the tank will change your mind. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. Uh, first of all, we are raising another glass to a fallen hero, another Star Wars hero. Um, it's uh, Jer- Jeremy Bullock. We all know him as Boba Fett. He's also appeared on stuff like Doctor Who. Um, I mean, essentially, he was just a guy in a suit. But even so, you know, you have to think about, like, Boba Fett. To think how minor a role he had in Star Wars and how massive an impact he had. Not even now, with obviously The Mandalorian, but even then, he was like this extra... Like, the toys that sold of him. Oh, yeah, he was he was massive. And the thing with Jeremy Bullock, every time I've seen him be interviewed about Boba Fett, um, or just his role in Star Wars... Uh, in general, he's so happy to be involved. He's so proud of it. I remember him. He always would talk about the the smallest thing. Like Boba Fett had, has this little thing in the Mandalorian. It's much more obvious. But the thing comes down and he can track people. Right. And he would talk about it like he reminded me. He's like a granddad. Really. A granddad who's happy with something he's invented. That's the vibe I always got from him. And it's just this well-spoken English, presumably theatre actor. Mm. Or just like die, knowing the way Star Wars recruited extras. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm really curious to know what he would have thought of everything that's going on now. Yeah, because I mean, he must have watched the first series of Mandalorian, you'd assume. Yeah, he's very recently been interviewed about stuff. Really? So oh, really? yeah, it, mm, it is still a bit of a shame that he got dubbed over. Yeah, but now that's he's... the Star Wars story, isn't it? Yeah. But compared to David Prowse, who sadly we lost recently as well. He just seems really happy to be involved. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 
They shoved him in Revenge of the Sith, didn't they, as a pilot um, in the background when they're going, they're flying somewhere. Did they? That's good. Um, they're flying into a planet. I, I can't remember what it's it is. more than they did for David Prowse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus. Um, moving on. Uh, crew members of Mission Impossible 7 have defended star Tom Cruise after his onset rant. Oh, yeah. Cruise threatens to fire crew members who broke COVID-19 protocols on set. Um... Someone said this. I don't know who. I, I wrote this. I wrote this <laughs> yesterday. It's hard to describe how incredibly intense and focused he is on making every movie the absolutely best possible. The Mission Impossible movies are very special to him. They are his movies. Tom helped set up the COVID protocol. Of course, he takes it personally when the protocol is broken. In all the years of filming the Mission Impossible franchise, no one has ever even heard Tom raise his voice. He's usually just laser focused on filming. This movie is very different. He has to film while making sure everyone stays safe. Tom's whole life is his work. He feels the pressure of how scary things look now. He does not want any further disruption. There is a lot at stake. When he sees something less than professional, he wants to make it right. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Tom Cruise's run? I don't think it rant. Someone had a go at me. For, Amy said, I say rant wrong. It's meant to be rant. No, it's rant. I thought it was rant. Because we're not from the north. Because we're middle class, darling. Well, what do you sit on when you're outside? Ant. Ants? <laughs> the grass, darling. Oh, grass. Grass. Long A's. That's how you mark civilization. <laughs> and tier four. Rant. Uh, so, yes. Um, I completely agreed. So, it's this is new. I haven't heard this development. I knew about his rant. Yes. Um, which I completely defended. Because not only is he the star, he's the exec producer. Mm. Like, like you say there, he, uh, he made the bloody guidelines. He wants to make things safely. I, um, I, I agree with everything that he said. Yeah. The way that he said it was mental, and I don't know if it's just because it's how we kind of maybe we deal with it in a different way. We probably lower our voices and be like really angry, but I wouldn't go mm. to eleven like he did. Like I don't know. It seems a bit. F- I wonder if it built up though. Maybe. Because if he, as it, as that says, it, if he's normally quite focused, he might have let it go. Laser, yeah, like point. laser focus. Well, this is this. It just makes me picture this guy who's like really uh, laser focused, like they said, and really like t- tuned into everything that's oh, yeah. going on. And then something makes him snap. He loses his mind. Yeah, yeah. And it's happened before. Um, I think Tom Cruise is like like an absolute gift to Hollywood, but the guy is a bit crazy. Yeah, but let's face it. We've had we've heard of rants before mm. from film sets. Uh, this is justified. This is justified. Bloody what's his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Mm. Lunatic. <laughs> like that. I I didn't have much love for him anyway. It was like, that was like that is he's uh, no. Yeah, just channeling American Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely mad. Um, but yeah. Fair, like yeah, fair enough. Um, I hope that movie gets on track. Uh, judging by the fact that everything's tier four now, I imagine that's probably going to face uh, further delays. Um, this sucks. Mm. Um, so it's not. It's an American thing, but it, like it's really like sneaky and underhanded. I think um, a new COVID nineteen stimulus bill's come out, and kind of. Um, I'm not like the most savvy on new bills released, but they kind of snuck in. A little line that makes streaming illegal move like illegally streaming movies a felony, a felony, a felony, a felony, a felony, a felony, with a punishment of up to ten years in prison. Ten years. Now, so so 
Congress passed a new stimulus bill and it's, it's, it's to provide relief to those affected by coronavirus. According to the text of the bill, this is via THR, it includes a surprising line item making illegal streaming for commercial profit a felony. This includes streaming movies and music, which offenders possibly facing a punishment of up to 10 years in jail. Um, yeah, it's commonplace for them to sneak, to have little things in a bill like other laws just to get them through. Yeah, you post everyone hug a granny and everyone goes, yeah, that sounds great. And then they're underneath go, yeah, but then kill them. Yeah. That's the standard American... De- I didn't see what's wrong with that. I agree. Well, here's the... What I'm, I... So... We're spending a lot of time at home now, right? Mm. Um, so the cinemas are screwed and you can stream all your Warner Brothers movies on HBO if you're American going forward and stuff like that. Um, it seems like... I don't stream movies. I've never been bothered. I've never been the kind of person who could go into a pirating site and find a movie or whatever. Um, it seems a bit bad to do it when all of this is going on. It's like cracking down. So some people might be streaming movies illegally... Um, just out of the fact that they're fed up. I know they, they shouldn't do it, but imagine getting a 10-year sentence. Yeah, well, yeah, but... The cinemas are shot. The, yeah, the cinema industry is teetering on an edge. Stealing from them is just... It's literally stealing from them. It's not a harmless crime when that money is needed. I agree, also... I agree, but come on, 10 years. That's well, it insane. Says, well, up to. It also says for commercial profit. So would that be like, say, you're streaming, you're making people pay you to yeah yeah maybe maybe so then you're literally stealing because okay, you're making yeah. money off the profit of others all right yeah okay that makes a bit more sense that pirating should be uh punishable by hanging drawing and quartering yes <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's bad timing i think they should have been they should have done that ages ago but not not like now um, but yeah fair enough i think yeah the trouble is you know the industry is yeah, it needs, it needs every penny it can get. Um, but it's not the it's not the cinemas. Obviously, the film companies need the money as well because they're losing hundreds of millions. But I mean, the cinemas this is inconsequential. Well, the cinemas I mean, have been left behind. The they? studios should be backing up the cinemas. Why didn't they do this when the cinemas were open so more people go to the cinemas? You know, it's it's annoying. I, this reminds me. I remember seeing a comment about pirating, and someone said something along the well. Yeah, no, you see this all the time. People saying. Um, well, it's either I pirate this game or film or whatever. It's either I pirate this or I don't eat. Not oh, for God's sake. Pay for the film, steal a banana. <laughs> that's, you're, that's literally the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I had that line of defence is ridiculous. It is, it is, 100%. Um, okay, so David Gordon Green is in talks to direct The Exorcist 2. Mm-hmm. So Green, who is um, he's in the chair for the current Halloween trilogy, um, so he could be—he's not far away. He's in talks for what I can only—I have googled around. I couldn't get a solid answer, but what I assume is a direct sequel to the original. Yeah, so they're, scrubbing they're, out Heretic. They're doing, which is also The Exorcist three and four, are brilliant films. So that's tragic. They're mm. doing the Halloween thing. They're rebooting it, soft reboot. Yeah. They're ignoring all the sequels and going straight. I think it's. Um, I, I, I have faith in it only because of how good you know the Halloween the new Halloween movies are well the, the one that we've seen um, I'm sure it will do it justice but is it another case of why aren't we seeing a, a, a director as good as that doing an original idea I don't yeah this is my thing I don't like the trend that setting no you're just erasing history yeah um, are they gonna go back to Scream and cut out the next four 
Although well, probably potentially, not, you know. Uh, what else? I mean, what's not an embarrassing sequel? Every bloody film. Every film, yeah. Uh, oh, God. We're going to do Indiana Jones 2. <laughs> We're going to ignore Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and uh, the one we don't talk about. When does it end? I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm definitely going to see it, because I think it'll be brilliant. But, um, yeah, maybe... They should have tried to pump into an original idea instead. I really want us to do a marathon of the Exodus films. Oh, 100%. I'm down with that. Um, Not enough people know the, the uh, sequels, the good sequels. This is... So this is a freaking bombshell. Um, yeah. Huge bit of cinematic news. Um, so for a bit of movie history, uh, this is MGM. Um, MGM wishes to sell its entire movie studio. Um, MGM was started in 1924. And named after three studios that were mushed together by movie legend Marcus Lau. Metro Pictures, Goldwyn Pictures, and Louis B. Mayer Pictures. So MGM is obviously most famous for Bond, but it also has the Pink Panther series, the Rocky films, the Hobbit trilogy. Um, and on TV, it's done Stargate, uh, SG-1, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale? That's a good... Uh... I mean, it's MGM. You, the Lion, everyone knows the Lion. It's done... Rawr! All of the things. Yeah. Um, so it, it almost went bankrupt in 2009 um, and a lot of the movies were, were distributed to other companies I think like for example the name of Bond is owned by some uh, half owned by some other company oh uh, yeah future, that's the standard future films will be solely owned by then so it's been losing grip on its stuff for some time yeah um, did you know the owner of K9 from Doctor Who have a rule in their club clause in their contracts or whatever where K9 can only be on screen when the Doctor's on screen what is that? well the same episode to stop it being taken I guess so hmm. it's weird though huh. strange rules apply yeah I've heard that about James Bond so according to uh, the Wall Street Journal MGM is actively attempting to sell off the studio um, it's valuing, valuing itself at about 5.5 billion um, and people are kind of thinking it's hoping for a streaming service to grab it um, right Disney are going to be all over this I imagine um, if it comes through um, this is quoting Screen Rant I think it's quite a quite a sad quote it will make MGM ostensibly the first major movie studio to be crushed by the pandemic and um, I think it's very sad because um, uh, you know having watched movies and been in love with movies all my life MGM is such an iconic thing for me yeah, I mean it is. It might come back. Orion's come back. Yeah, and I suppose I mean people will own the studio. They'll buy the studio and they'll still slap the line on it, so you still see it there. But um, it's another big sort of icon of history that is going to be yeah. no more. I mean, let's face it though. These days, if it's not Disney Universal, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I know Disney's going to buy MGM, and eventually Universal will go down. They're you know, they need to have one bad year of bad profits without, you know, some good franchises coming out and then they're done. And then uh, living in the the bottom feeders at the bottom of the ocean is the Blumhouse Productions. Yeah. Turning out their terrible, terrible horror films, yeah. apart from Invisible Man. And A24 will be scuttling around oh. trying to get its... They'll be on the ceiling. <laughs> Escaping the evil clutches of Disney. There is also some very exciting news, but we can't talk about it because Rob hasn't seen The Mandalorian Series 2. Uh, or half of Series 1. Uh, so I'm not giving those... Last week, he promised on the on the Patreon-exclusive Night Shift 
Well, I went. I'm going to go on Disney. I'm going to watch them all. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? guess what? 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 They they took away their subscription in October. They can't. They're, they're not. Um, they're they're free trial. Oh, they took really? away their free trial. They snatched it away in the end of October. No more free trial from Disney Plus. Uh, they, oh. they want my money. They want me to fund their buying of MGM Studios. I'm not paying for them to take MGM Studios away from me. They can go and. F- All right. Oh dear. Uh, so concludes for nice more night. Have a pie. Ooh, what flavour would this be? I don't know. You're going for the Herbie. Oh, is that? Is that, that this is still in. I can smell it. Are they all the smell of cheese? Has it tricked us again? Are you sure? That's more stuffing you to me. Look that pork and stuffing. It smells of cheese. What was that first one then? That must be the Stilton at the end, but there wasn't any cranberry in it. Why is everything turning to hell? <laughs> an innocent romp in the woods turns into a hellish nightmare when an evil force is accidentally awakened. Action International Pictures presents... The gruesome holiday shocker. Elves. They're not working for Santa anymore. When rough day at work, Santa got murdered. Nick's best and worst games of 2020. It's that time of year again. Time for my own personal roundup of the games that I thought were great and the ones that were not so great. So, without further ado, I'll give you my roundup of the best and worst games of 2020, starting on a positive with my fifth best game, The Last of Us Part 2. A game that thankfully, over the last six months since its release, has been forgotten by the internet-dwelling idiots as they have moved on to their latest craze to hate, Cyberpunk. The Last of Us Part 2 carried on the incredible storytelling of the original game and fixed all of the jankiness that frustrated me so much. It should, without a doubt, be held up as the greatest technical achievement of this generation. It looks great, it feels great, it sounds great. Unlike my fifth worst game, Watch Dogs Legion. Now, I must stress, if you like Ubisoft open world games, then you'll probably like Watch Dogs Legion for a few hours. It follows that same Ubisoft formula of populating a map with an array of different tasks and missions and collectibles. The thing that let Watch Dogs Legion down compared to other recent Ubisoft releases is that the tasks, the missions and the collectibles were all boring. The novelty of seeing London very accurately recreated in a video game lasts all of about 30 minutes and then you are left lethargically moving from one area to another, completing what is admittedly the same mission over and over again. And I dare even mention the bugs that it launched with. At one point I had to redo four hours of gameplay because it didn't save. Awful. And so to my fourth best game of 2020, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yet again, Moon Studios have succeeded in creating the most beautiful game of the year, and yet again they have succeeded in bringing emotions out in me that I didn't know I had. With the further release of the Series S X patch that bumps it up to either 120 frames per second or 6K super sampling, holy flip, it is astounding. But, onto my fourth worst game of 2020, and I give you Marvel's Avengers. There's not really much to say about this game, as there's not really very much to this game. It looks rubbish, it feels awkward to control your characters, and the story is utter trash. Square Enix have in recent years lost a lot of their talent to other big studios, and with Marvel's Avengers you can really tell, boring, boring, boring. 
But a game that isn't boring, however, is my third best game of 2020. Doom Eternal. This game takes boring and shoves a super shotgun up its backside. Yes, it has its flaws, especially around the platforming moments that are completely unnecessary, but it is undeniably fun from the first moment you beat a demon to death with its own art. And so with my third worst game of 2020, we come onto a game that I was really quite excited about when I first saw the trailer, but then I played it. West of Dead. This game looked like such a great idea and a lot of fun, but it ended up just feeling frankly empty and pointless. All art and no substance would be how I would sum it up. That is not how I would sum up my best game of 2020, however. Streets of Rage 4. Now, admittedly, I was a big Streets of Rage fan as a kid and had been waiting over 20 years for a sequel worthy of the name, but the guys over at Dot Emu, Lizard Cube, and Guard Crush have well and truly delivered not just the best possible sequel to the Streets of Rage series, but probably the best side scrolling beat em up since Streets of Rage 3. The art style is astonishing, the music is superb, and the story is just as mad as any Streets of Rage game should be. Slotting in at number two of my worst games, sadly it's Resident Evil 3. The reason why it sits so high is because my expectations were also so high, especially after how good the remake of the second one was. The main issue that I had with it is how short it was, and fundamentally I think the reason they dropped the ball so heavily was down to Capcom's insistence that they had to release Resistance, the online co-op 4v1 nonsense that was just crap. Why they needed to make it, I don't know. Let's hope the inevitable remake of the fourth one is more focused and given the development time it deserves. And so, bringing it to the final two games, my best and my worst. I will swap it around this time so that we can end on a positive note, just as we all had wanted 2020 to end. So my worst game of 2020 is the 13 remake. To be honest, the less said about this diabolical remake of the admittedly already subpar 2003 original, the better. Was anyone even asking for a remake? Anyone? And so on to my best game of 2020. Now, I will preface this by saying that it is my own personal choice. I'm not saying that it is subjectively the best game. That would probably go to Last of Us 2. But I am saying that it is my best game of the year. And that award goes to none other than Tetris Effect Connected. I'm not even going to bother trying to convince you because anyone who argues with me is obviously stupid. End of. But seriously, if you haven't played it then please have a go. It's Tetris as we know it, but with exceptional music and additional gameplay mechanics that just work. It is also impossible to explain why it's so good, you just have to experience it for yourself. And so rounds up my top games list of 2020. There are some games that you may feel are missing from this list, but that's fine. They would belong in your list. Games such as Ghost of Tsushima, Cyberpunk 2077 and Grounded are all worthy of mention in either category to be honest, plus countless others. But for now, we can look forward to 2021, which is looking to be an absolute cracker of a year, with Deathloop, The Medium and Halo Infinite, amongst a dozen or so others, this year is going to be a good one. Roll on 2021. I can't believe you would do this on Christmas Eve. You're grounded. What? Tomorrow is the Christmas Eve comic book party. Well, you should have thought of that before. You're better off without him. Isn't that right, Santa Jaws? Cody! Ah! That is not a shark! That is Santa Jaws! I know her! I made her! That is her!
I'm James Stewart. I'm, my name is James Stewart. I, 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 and I live in Bedford Falls. And I've got such a wonderful family. And sometimes, sometimes you got to give your dreams up in life, see? you got to give up your dreams to oh be... Oh, my God. you got to give up your dreams to, to be for the good of your town. <laughs> this is James... Bedford Falls, you Texas. Got, you gotta give up your dreams for the good of the town. Yeah, listen here, boy. I say, boy. It's a wonderful <laughs> life in Texas Falls. Right. <laughs> the movie's called It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, it is. Are we not doing a present first? Let's do a present okay. first. <laughs> Let's do a, Keep it rolling. <laughs> right. The wine's going to Rob's head. So, me and Rob challenged ourselves to go into Hitchens Antique Shops. Yeah. Pick up... Um, we didn't really have any ideas. We just said, go and pick up a present. Very quickly realised how difficult that is to go into an antique shop of £20 and just, there's just so much. There's just so much. so much. So we decided to get the weirdest present. Yeah. Do you um, feel you met I, your... I completely failed. My present sucks. <laughs> um, so you went into the Hitler Youth, Hitler Dagger charity shop. I went into the Torture Doll charity shop. Uh-huh, yeah. Um... Charity shop, antique shop. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm really sorry, but I did. I do have something I can go into with this. Luckily, very briefly. Okay, a bit, a bit of his, a bit of world history. Right, so there right. you go. Okay, right. um, it's a. Uh, it's heavier than I thought. It looks like clothes. I don't know. Yeah, it's right. It's okay. Uh, it's an itchy cardigan. Thank you. <laughs> but but oh, it's actually got that's a proper cardigan. Oh, it's a proper cardigan. Um, now tell me what, that, what is the tell, label? Tell me the name quickly because this is important. How um, do you spell it? T T E J. Yep. I D O S. Yep. Tejidos. Ruminaku. Right. So made in Ecuador. So what we need? What? It's, yeah. So it's, it, this is Ooh. about an Ecuadorian man. Um, I just need to find out what he did because it's very interesting. Should I be touching this with both hands? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, what did he do? Was he a murderer? So this this cardigan belonged to um, Ruminahuri, uh, Kichwa, Rumi Stone, Rock Eye Face, Stone Eye, Stone Face, Rock Eye, or Rock Face. Um, born in the late 15th century, died June 25th, 1535. Was a general during the Civil War, Ooh. who after the death of Emperor Atahualpa. Led to the resistance <laughs> against the Spanish in the northern part of the Inca Empire, modern-day Ecuador, in 1533. So, um, after the Spaniards executed Atahuba, Ruminahui returned to Quito. He is believed to have ordered the treasure of the Linguanatis thrown into the lake or buried in snow. So, um, yeah, there's loads of battles. Um, loads of battles, treasure. Well, and he wore this exact one. Yeah. The one with the label in it saying it's 100% wool. Um, Hand wash. Well, Ugh. however, before the Spanish forces captured Quito, its treasures were secreted, secreted away. Last bit, Ruminahui had ordered the city burned and the principal ladies of the temples who refused to flee killed. Ruminahui was eventually captured, tortured and killed by the Spanish, but never revealed the location of the treasure. Whoa. So you have probably a treasure map. Oh, God. Okay. Well, yeah. that's exciting. Exactly. It's, it's, defi- a pattern on it. it's definitely not made by an Ecuadorian clothing designer. <laughs> it's not by a slave in Ecuador. Yeah, but it's actually made in Ecuador. Stop the, stop the going through granddad's attic smell. 
Well, you think where's this? Is this is a well-travelled cardigan? Yeah, it's I mean, been everywhere, man. Yeah, it's an international. Well, I'd wear it now, but I'm far too warm don't, for a wall. Yeah, don't put it on. Never put it on. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much. There's llamas. There's llamas on the well, design. There you go. There's llamas. And a storm. Oh my god, ancient aliens. Oh, there's a bloody UFO on it. Well, there's in South America. There's a lot of UFO stuff. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, Whoa. Very good. Right. Good. Thank you very much. Oh, you're right. I've got the heaviest thing I could possibly find. What the? This is worth. Whoa! It. <laughs> worth the weight. Wow. Okay, this is so heavy. Um, <laughs> the, the, in the antique shop I was in, there were two sweet old ladies at the counter. Try. You had to pay for. They almost died, handling this. <laughs> One of them picked it up and almost killed over. Oh my god! There's a. There's a face. Wow. It looks like a Greek god face. It's definitely for a garden wall, which we don't have. It's it's a cast iron face. It's a cast iron face of Zeus. Um, <laughs> I think I thought of it as the green man. Do you know what? He need he wants a kiss. He's blowing a kiss. Oh. I kissed Zeus. <laughs> I hope that's not blasphemous. I hope no one still believes in Greek gods, but I gave Zeus a little kiss on the So lips. I saw I saw it as the green man. Yes. Uh also a potential future look for you. A hundred percent, yeah, he's a very sexy he's got a very flat nose. And I thought you'd recognise you'd recognise it as the most iconic and your favourite film that we've seen this year. Barbarella. The gun is good. The penis is evil. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Zoltark. What? Zardoz. It's the face from Zardoz. <laughs> Sean Connery's about to fly out of his mouth in a big red oh, fong. There goes a wizard. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you very much, Adam. That's a wonderful gift. God knows where I'm going to put it. <laughs> yeah. um, put it on your shelf of interesting items oh, above yeah, your bed. Oh, yeah, I'll just let that drop on my leg and <laughs> cripple me for life. I mean, you'd die. Yeah. This <laughs> is legitimately dangerous. Right. I was going to get you a, a tall um, totem pole, but I thought well, that's not going to go anywhere. Well, no. Well, the totem pole would. I could stand it up. Thanks, mate. You're welcome. Wonderful news, for when all these wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. For never before has any film contained such a full measure of the joy of living, the drama of living, and above all, the glorious romance that makes this such a wonderful life. Don't you ever get tired of just reading about things? Yeah. 
Hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't want to get married to anybody, you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And, and you... Last year, on your begging, begging insistence, you were very adamant that we watched both Home Alone one and two. I'd had enough of yeah. Well, anyone who hasn't listened to the episode, I'd had enough of people claiming that Home Alone one was better because it's really not. And we did come to the conclusion that two was better. Done. Did we? We did. Yeah. At the end, you we, we, I, yeah you reluctantly said yeah. I see what you mean. It is slightly better. Oh yeah, the yeah, the cha- yeah, I remember now. Yeah. If you had all the characters of two in the setting of one, it'd be the best home alone. Yeah, but no, well, no, because I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Um, I, I like the comedy, the humour, mm. and the more uh, exaggerated characters. And but it, Home Alone One doesn't have New York. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> this year, uh, I've gone for It's a Wonderful Life for my Christmas film pick. Um, this 1946 film that I hold quite close to my heart. Yeah. Um, as mentioned earlier, there's two things I love about Christmas time. One of them is going to Christmas markets and eating German sausages. And the other one is going to see It's Wonderful Life. Yeah, which yeah I've managed you, go, you go out. You've you seen it at Prince Charles, haven't you? Or? Prince Charles Cinema, the little uh, cinema in, in Bath, wherever I can. Uh, Purton Film Club, I even pushed it for the Christmas film. Uh it's just one of those things. I just try and find somewhere that shows it. So this year, reluctantly, we did it in my bedroom. Yes. We watched it in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, and then we did it in your bedroom. <laughs> it's Wonderful Life is, uh, well, it's, 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 it's topped so many people's best films of all time lists. It's um, like my uh, family, any family, any British family that I know of, um, It's a Wonderful Life is part of their kind of christmas experience i remember going around my uncle's as a child and he's had the cassette and he's like oh we have to put this under our life because it's christmas yeah um it's essential viewing for it's it's sort of dropped off for so many people now the younger generation they don't watch old black and white films that's anymore. the trouble lots of people don't watch films that are older than their age yeah oh i wasn't even born then yeah what shut up uh and also the fact it's black and white but the um, thing, obviously, Frank, Frank Capra, great director. Um, one thing I'll say before we delve into the nitty gritty and the brilliance of it all is, uh, he's an absolutely fantastic director. It's incredibly well shot. Yeah, what? That's the main takeaway from this. I mean, watching it with a slightly more analytical view, uh, it's very modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. when I when I picture like, especially post-war films, I picture it being very static, mm. lots of pan and scans, lots of. Um, stiff men talking to each other, and not a, not a huge amount of dynamic um, shooting. It's wonderful life. They're coming up to the camera. The camera's following feet and footsteps, and they're doing weird things. This is a freeze frame at one point, which I've never i I've never taken from a black and white movie before. I don't think I'd ever seen a Meet George. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's uh, I don't. It's I. I have to say, I've not watched enough films from the mid to late 40s to know whether this was completely out of character but mm. there's a shot in this there's like evil dead <laughs> yeah. you know there's and, uh, i think i do think a big 
big part of why this film stands up to a lot of people and why it is so memorable is because the performances are very animated, mm. especially James Stewart as George Bailey. His movements and he he owns the the area, you know. He's he's amazing. He's a triumph, and um, he's in like you see. I'm not talking about references to A Wonderful Life here. I'm talking about actors looking at him and watching this film and trying to gain some influence from him because you've seen Jim Carrey do it. You see um, English soap stars do it. He comes through in EastEnders from in bloody Alfie Moon. There's like, he's in, his influence in that role is like... I guess if you're going to play a lovable everyman, that's yeah. the first place you start. I mean, he's the first port of call, surely. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um. The film, it's not, is it just him? The supporting characters, I mean, uh, Potter, oh, Mr. Yeah. Potter, Mr. He's, Potter, he's decidedly evil. He reminds me of uh, Greenback from Danger Mouse. He's so it's, loathsome. He is awful. To the point of, like, humour, like he's on Mr. Burns level. It's, oh, it's... I, I suspect Mr. Burns was based on him, <laughs> yeah. actually. It's very, he's very, very sinister. Uh, but also quite funny, and there's lots of there is lots of humour scattered throughout. I think the great the the humour's modern and like especially the start when we're introduced to Joseph and whatever the other angel is I, I can't recall. Um, and they summon Clarence, and they, yes. so we're talking about um, this man called George Bailey who's fallen on hard times. He's got a heart of gold, but he looks like he's at the end of his rope. He needs someone yeah. to help. So we're gonna why don't we send Clarence down? an angel to try and turn his life around. And even then, the the banter between two stars that are saints gone to hell yeah, and yeah, yeah. angels is absolutely hilarious. It's yeah, brilliant. It's, uh, and the, the side characters, I mean, characters like Uncle Billy, uh, are such a cliche of the forgetful klutz. We see him early on and he's being, he's just chummy and friendly. And then later on, he goes into full panic mode. Because he does something stupid, like genuinely stupid, um, causing the world to collapse, basically. Um, and he's a he's a bumbling. He's got a crow. Why has <laughs> he got a crow? No one knows. Uh, it's just this this world around George Bailey and and the Bailey Savings and Loan is in depth. Yeah, and I think that's why people keep trying to suggest remaking it or not even remaking it expanding the world and having sequels and yeah no stop it leave it it's such that they built like the film set that they made was like several acres like it's ridiculous how big the film set is and and i think it feeds into that like um the world that they built of bedford falls is full of shops and characters and massive isn't it so there's so much scope in it isn't there How, how would you describe bedford falls if you were to write a travel brochure... Um, welcome to Bedford Falls. It's the place you want to move. It's the place to raise a family. And with travel to all parts of the country, we have a railway that leads all the way to New York. We have um, property, d- developing property all over the town. It's, yeah, it's like an up-and-coming... There's, yeah, and they're building... The, part of the, the whole thing is they're building houses for the, the new generations and... <laughs> You know, immigration's coming in, and there's an Italian family that gets sort of welcomed in, open arms. What my what the point I'm getting at is, while it is old timey and it is 1946, it doesn't feel rednecky. No, it doesn't feel 
I God, we built this town on God's good earth. Mm. It feels welcoming. It feels friendly. There's been a people. Act, uh, people have accused it of um, representing all that's bad mm. in America. That's the that's the ideal that people who are complaining about wearing masks, <laughs> idiots. That's the America they want. Yeah, yeah. It's the American dream. But it's mm. not bad. It's, no. There's nothing evil about it. No. But we'll come to that later, because there's, there's, there's an up and down argument about that. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, what happens? Um, so, George Bailey. Every man. Um, and straight away from the start. So, um, before Clarence is sent down to Earth, um, we're kind of given the hint of a man who's gone on a downward spiral. And the angels tell um, Clarence... Yep. Um... You need to know a bit of backstory about this man because he is an absolute legend. Mm-hmm. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. A lot of people asking for help for a man named George Bailey. George Bailey? Yes, tonight's his crucial night. You're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's a clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We've passed him up right along. Because, you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. Um, he, when he was 12 years old, he saved his brother from um, a plunge into an icy lake. But he lost his hearing. Yes. Uh, shortly after that, um, he realised that his boss had got the wrong pills in a... Oh, that's um, one of my favourite scenes of the whole piece. Mm. It's so... There is a level of schmaltz about this film. And so young George Bailey um, notices that his boss is acting a bit weird, finds a letter saying that his son has died at war, mm. uh, and then goes to see if he's okay. Finds the the druggist putting poison in pills and then says, take these pills and take them away. And And he's already you're on George's side because he does the right thing. Mm. He sees a sign that says, dad knows the answer. So he tries to speak to his dad. That's when we meet Mr. Potter for the first time. Uh, And it's just this really nice, like uh, that works on its own Mm. as a kind of thing. Um, and there's a really heartwarming moment when he saves him. It's all sad. And... Just after sticking up for his dad against the nasty Mr. Potter, he goes back and yeah, and his boss like is drunk and distraught and beats him for not giving the pills to the sick person. He goes, "Yes, poisoned. You would have poisoned him." It's <laughs> the only lovely Christmas film I know that opens on alcoholism <laughs> and child abuse. Yeah. What? Why that medicine should have been there an hour ago. Be over in five minutes for the plan. Where's Miss Blaine's voice of capsules? I feel. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. I... What kind of tricks are you playing anyway? What? Why are you right into the limit and right away? Don't you know that boy's very sick? I really must know you lazy loafer. Such a coward. You don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. I know you're happy. You got the telegram and you're upset. You put something bad in those capsules. It wasn't your fault, Mr. Gower. <laughs> Just
just look and see what you did. Look at the bottle you took the powder from. It's poison, I tell you, it's poison. I know you feel bad. Oh. Don't hurt my story again. Oh, no, Don't no, hurt no, my no. story again. Oh, George. George. Oh, Mr. Gow, I would never tell anyone. I know you're feeling. I would have felt so good to die, I would. This kid's bleeding out of his ears. Well, it's... It just... It's... I the it really got to me this film and as I voiced my um pure agony at this film several times watching it because the idea of a man who wanted to travel the world and I kind oh. of emphasize I've got I I've got, I can relate to this a lot yeah this is this is a real thing like yeah. so he's got so many plans in his life he's got he's dead set on traveling to Europe traveling to South America going to Italy going to Greece or wherever it is and he's planned it all out. There's a bit in the film he grows up and he's just about to leave when he gets a phone call. And um, well, it it happens throughout because as yeah, so we see him as a kid, then it goes through through the ages. There's one where his dad falls sick. Yeah, dies in yeah. fact. Um, so George has to not go. He, he that's it. He um, he can't go to Europe. He stops his Europe trip. He knows that Mr. Potter is going to take over yeah. the business. So he has to step up and take over because the uh, everyone else is useless, basically, and he's the only one willing to stand up to, to Potter. And just for subtext around that, Mr. Potter creates really poor quality houses. Um, and then charges rent through the roof. Yeah. Charges rent through the roof. So what he would be doing is like bankrupting all the townspeople. Mm. So George Bailey's good for the town, Mr. Potter's bad for the town. Yeah, so the Bailey brothers, the building and loan, the idea being that you invest money and that gets shared across the development of houses for everyone. Communism. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I suppose they didn't get blacklisted. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny-ante building alone, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character because his whole life was... Why, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? He didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Well, here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You, you said that they... What'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait? Wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them, until they're so old and broken down that they... Do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's gone. So that's what you're talking time about. I know. He gets disappointed. So George had these plans to go to Europe, and then he he puts that off. He's fine. Then he he then is going to go to college, and then he gets offered the job. Oh, it's it's Potter, in fact, isn't it? Yeah. So he has to give up college. But the next one's the one that really gets me. Is he, He's been looking after the building alone for a couple of years, four years or something, um, while his brother's in college, his younger brother. Uh, 
and he's at the train station. He's going, uh, you hear that noise? That's the best noise, the most exciting oh. noise in the world. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Look, they they want architects in Brazil to build railroads and all this sort of stuff. And then his brother gets off the train with his new wife mm. and he's going to work for her dad. And there's this, uh, this moment as George walks away and it, it's just, you can hear the heart break. It's awful. And he's it's... like, and he goes to the, goes to the new bride like... Is it a good job? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Off he goes. Absolutely agonising. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And I mean, and he, obviously this is where you're realising how much of a saint he is after that. Yeah. He, he meets, you know, he eventually realises who he's in love with and he, he's going to get married. And he gets married and he has all the money for his honeymoon. They have two grand. Yeah. Which in those days, how much I was it? I worked it out, it was around £200,000. And that's, dollars. Yeah, so they're going off on their honeymoon. They're going to go all over. It's the adventure of an of five lifetimes, and oh, the the bank the the bank lenders calling his debts in. Yeah, the the depression happens. There's a yeah. run on the banks. Um, so I, I love this scene as well. There's a there's a moment in this that always makes me uh shiver of my my lip. <laughs> um, he he. They make a promise to because everyone wants to claim all their cash out can't do that, they haven't got enough in the bank. Um, so they offered to use their personal money as a loan. How much do you need before the bank opens again? Yeah. And there's one git, one absolute prick. <laughs> uh, oh, I have $242. And he would insist on it and he'd get out of here. Uh, but the there's a woman, he goes, how much do you need? 17.50 would be fine. And he's like... I, I can kiss you. Yeah. I'm like, ah. oh, what a guy. Um, Incidentally, this is uh, the Gremlins is a massive cultural film favourite of mine as well. Uh, and Billy works in a building and loan. Oh, really? Yep. Oh. There's Gremlins is essentially what if a love letter is one. What life. if horror happened in, in Bedford Falls? Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. But so it's it's, in, it's interesting we both got similar feelings about that because as Hitchin born and bred, as wonderful as Hitchin is, you can't escape. You can't escape. No, no one gets out. No, we will stay. We will stay. And if you do get out, you can't, you're coming back. Yeah. And you know it. Only very, very rarely. I need, I, there's two people I know who almost got out. <laughs> one of them is still out, but he comes back every now and then. Mm. The other one's just bought a house. Oh, God. Hitchin... It sucks you in. Yeah, it's a lovely town, but we want to see the world. We got it. We want to. We want to see. We want to see Europe. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So George is throughout his life. He's been. He's been forced to stay in Bedford Falls. He's well loved. Everyone loves him. He's well known. And then he's well known. We start to see more of kind of the world as it changes around. We see talk of the war, the Second World War, um, and how he was fighting the battle at home because he couldn't sign up because of his ear. Still can't get out. That was infuriating. So there was, uh, for me, that, for him, if he didn't have his ear, that would be his loophole. He'd be like, like, ha, I would stay and help people, but I have to go to war. (laughs) I have to do, I have to fulfill my duty as an American. But But he can't, he can't even do that. Um, So he ends up selling tire rubbers and all that sort of stuff. Having the battle at home. Um, But that's when the story really kicks off. So we've, We've gone through his whole life as a as a montage of sequences. Um, we've met his his wife, who who's a witch. Can we <laughs> m- mention that? So his wife 
This perfect, beautiful, lovely bride. She makes a wish and they end up on their honeymoon. After we talked about earlier lending all the bank money on the honeymoon, they end up in a derelict house that they'd sort of had a romantic moment outside earlier in the film. And she says, my wish came true. Yet she- Meaning that all of the crappy stuff that happened to him to get him to that crappy derelict house where he could have been going all over the world. She did it. She smashed the window with a rock in the beginning of the film mm. and she ruined his life. Bloody she, women. She went to college. Yes. She had a great time, I bet. <laughs> what did he do? He worked. He worked, he worked, he worked and slogged and... Yeah. Anyway. So... Bloody Mary. Um... He's at his wit's end. I think to so we don't go on for about an hour because we easily easily could do. Do we want to move on to his lowest moments? Well, yes. So to to briefly go over it, uh, Uncle Billy loses eight thousand dollars, basically all the money in the building alone. The most useless man ever. He does it in a really stupid way as well. And Mister Potter's twisting the black knife and all that stuff. Um, the bank inspector's there. It's Christmas Eve. Everything's going swimmingly until they realise the money's gone. Everything goes wrong. Everything flips. Everything turns on its head. Um, suddenly, Bailey, the, George Bailey, this soft and kind man, is grabbing Billy by the neck and shaking him. Mm. Where's the money? He's, his hair's falling out. He's stressed. He goes back to his family house. He's shouting at the kids. Everything's awful. Everything's so bleak and horrible. He discovers through Mr. Potter the only way he can get out of this mess is through his $15,000 life insurance. Mm. He's worth more dead than alive. Mm. Straight out of Mr. Potter's mouth, isn't it? Pretty much. As he's got the, the the police called on him, so he, he goes off, he thinks about it, he has a drink, gets punched in the face by the by the man he ins- whose wife he insulted earlier in the film um, and then uh, crashes his car and then he's about to jump. He gets to a bridge and he's ready to jump. Yeah. Uh, and then a man appears and f- jumps in ahead of him. And his George Bailey instinct kicks in. Before he needs to die, he needs to save this man. Yes, apparently jumping into a river to save someone means you don't die. Yeah. Because he did exactly what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Mm. Uh, yeah, so he saves this man, this weird guy. Calls himself Clarence and wears very old-timey clothes. Yes, um, and he keeps saying very strange things. Oh, he's not subtle at all. He just comes right at the gate. Oh, Angel, I'm reading a book from 200 years ago. I I want to save you. And then we get into, essentially, Christmas Carol. Yes, a ghost showing George Bailey, an angel, sorry, but effectively a ghost in, in, terms, yeah, yeah. in terms of Dickens, um, showing George what Bedford Falls would be like without him. Only it's not called Bedford Falls anymore in this world. What's it called? Pottersville. Pottersville. Yes. So without George, essentially, Mr. Potter managed to buy out the whole town and he's transformed it into from a wonderful, lovely idyllic town to a sleazy dancing girls bars if i what we talked about this if i was a student i would love pottersville and i think you would too yeah yeah well that's a, that's that's what i was alluding to earlier there's a strong debate 
people prefer Pottersville. And people who describe uh, Bedford Falls as everything that's wrong with America mm. say, well, Pottersville's all right. Pottersville? No one gives a crap. It's not be, employment. Be who you want to be. Yeah, you can go and get drunk. You can go, you can be free. Um, if the, what, what we kind of got down to at the end, on reflection, is you want to live in Bedford Falls, but you want Pottersville to be the dirty town about yeah. five miles down the road yeah. that you get a taxi to and get absolutely twatted with in um <laughs> but it's too but george it's harrowing it's terrifying all his mm. friends don't recognize him um he ends up almost getting arrested by his mates bert and ernie yes bert and ernie <laughs> uh not sure if it is what sesame street were named after but too much a, of a coincidence there's, <laughs> yeah let's talk about it um it's just uh, a nightmare living it's really it's really bleak actually mm. Because it's not just, oh, no one recognises me. It's, it's the hell's this guy? He's a weirdo. And he finds the people who are so important in his life. He finds his mum, who's like a haggard old crone, who's yep. all suspicious of him and has nothing going on for her in, in her life. And then <laughs> he sees his, his wife, who's like, oddly enough, just a nerdy librarian. Yeah, just, I, just trying I, to get home. I find that a bit dumb. That's yeah. that's dumb. Oh my god, no! She's she never a, met anyone else. She's a librarian. She's a spinster librarian. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a bit dumb. Um, yeah, but, but it's enough to convince George that his life's one worth living. And by the end, he uh, he pops back, and people recognise him again. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you. Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you? <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert! My mouth's bleeding! Zuzu's pedals! Zuzu! There they are! Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! Great, but he's still got this this cloud over his head, and then everything ends in a tear-jerking way. A most wonderful, magical ending, and it's kind of like... In this film, more than any other film, it's a reward. The ending is a reward. Oh, it's for the torture. So, it's so earned. Yeah, you have to go through so much hell with this character, and yeah. to have that at the end, it's it's quite wonderful. I do have a complaint, and mm. I and I think actually the complaint isn't. I need to chuck it away because I said it when we finished watching it. I wanted to see Mister Potter get his comeuppance, but I think what's good about him not getting his comeuppance is that it's completely inconsequential. Who cares? Well, yeah, his life. It doesn't matter what Mr. Potter's, what's happened to Mr. Potter because we're all we care about is the good. We don't care about what bad things happening to people anymore. We just want to see George Bailey being. It's good. A, it's a it's yeah. a very interesting well it's a very interesting contrast to where we're at now as a society where everyone has to be blamed. You'd be spoon fed that the satisfaction of um, yeah like of justice. If you think of Twitter, the mob, Twitter mob. Mm. Cancelling people, it's always attacking the bad. Yeah, the the one that sticks out in my head is the, I think it was in Stevenage. Um, guy landed a spaceship on an asteroid. It's the best day of his life, and he got brought to tears because he had a shirt on that had naked women, well, not even naked women, like Hawaii bikini women. I yeah, absolutely unbelievable, ridiculous. That is the antithesis of what it's wonderful life is saying absolutely absolutely um but i overall i just think the film is so modern it's so it it stands up it's just a shame so many people aren't gonna watch it because it's black and white it's um 
it is an outstandingly, amazingly brilliant film. And if you, I can guarantee that you will not be able to find a top 100 films of all time list where this isn't very high up. Ah, yeah, this is um, definitely in my top 10. It, it's and it surprises people when I say that because of everything else is on there. But oh uh, yeah, it's a wonderful film uh, and it's a wonderful life. Oh, uh, is it going in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I couldn't agree more, yeah. Um, also, I just want to point out, for those who like Seinfeld, uh, Nick, who runs the bar, sounds exactly like George Costanza. What? Why? It's really <laughs> weird. I don't know, Adam. I don't have the answers. I'm going to play a couple of clips back to back and you can judge for yourself. Hey, look, mister. We save hard drinks in here for men who want to get drunk fast, and we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere. Is that clear? Or do I have to slip you my lift for a convention? That was really a stupid thing! You know what's gonna happen now? Worlds collide. What? Yeah! <laughs> because this world is your sanctuary, and if that world comes in contact... Yes! It blows up! So if you know that, what did you tell Elaine for? I didn't know. Kramer told me about the worlds. You couldn't figure out the world's theory for yourself? It's just common sense. Anybody knows you gotta keep your worlds apart. Adam's sort of film review. Death to 2020. 2020. So what is it you guys want to talk about? 2020. The year whose story couldn't be told until now because it was still happening. Don't be filming this for one of those casual introductory shots, please. It's demeaning. If I leave my little helper down here, is that out of, that's out of your box, is it? With unprecedented access to experts, politicos, monarchs, and average citizens, this is the definitive story of the most historic year in history. I'm ready. A Netflix special from Charlie Brooker and the team behind Black Mirror, Death to 2020, is a mockumentary looking back over the year of hell we've all just experienced. Casting familiar faces in the roles of historians, journalists and politicos, Death to 2020 takes on a familiar format to Charlie Brooker's peerless and laugh-out-loud funny wipes, most recently in the form of an antiviral wipe, which shone the light on the early lockdown and coronavirus coverage, shortly before things went crazy bad. Death to 2020, however, features only Charlie Brooker as a faceless voice behind the camera, prompting the selection of experts for answers while Charlie Brooker lookalike Lawrence Fishburne serves as narrator. Speaking of, in the roles of the experts, first we have Samuel Jackson as Dash Brackett, a New York Times reporter. Uh, an impressively aged and well-formed historian Tennyson Ross played by Hugh Grant. We've got Lisa Kudrow as the infuriating Republican spokesperson. Leslie Jones as Dr. Maggie Gravel, a psychologist with a chip on her shoulder. Stranger Things star Joe Keery as Duke Ghoulies, a scumbag millennial. Kumail Nanjiani as Bark Multiverse, a tech CEO. Tracy Ullman as Queen Elizabeth II. Kristin Milotti as Kathy Flowers, a Karen. Uh, Samson K.O. as Pyrex Flask, a scientist who treats viruses as friends. And finally, we have Diane Morgan shrugging off the role as Philomena Kunk to be Gemma Nerick, one of the five most average people in the world. 
As the show tracks through the events from January to today, each expert lends their opinion and point of view for the bigger events that have affected us internationally, with some of the more obscure moments in UK and US news taking a back seat, presumably in an attempt to cover the widest audience possible. Unfortunately for Death to 2020, this might not have gone down so well. Online response to the mockumentary has left many viewers feeling cold and a little disappointed. Ed Cumming from The Independent went so far as to leave a one-star review, claiming that he was waiting for a punchline the whole time, and that the show couldn't make its mind up whether it was for a British or American audience. Likewise, Chris Bennion from The Telegraph believed it was a huge disappointment, and also very predictable, though did give praise for the slim amount of acidic wit from Brooker that got through. Other critics bemoaned the lack of insight and predictability of many of the gags and indeed the characters throughout. The only problem with many of these reviews, however, is the belief that Death to 20 was meant to be some sort of self-help show, that it would add a punchline and catharsis that people need after the year we've had. The truth is, no one can give you that. I would agree, Death to 2020 felt a little bit watered down from Charlie Brooker's usual output, which I suspect might come across as a little heavy considering the world as we know it. Predictability isn't the fault of the team behind Death to 20, it's the fault of the world that's been built around it. Every joke has been memed and retweeted to death, every criticism, comment and election result has been parodied and lampooned beyond all reason. For many, 2020 is the year of social media, the year of killing time. It's impossible to find a new slice of this particular pie. So instead, Death to 2020 shouldn't be seen as the antidote. It should be a zeitgeist tape of everything we've experienced, a montage of the best and worst. For what it's worth, I laughed throughout Death to 2020. Sharp wit, dumb gags, and a soft but damning condemnation of the types of people we see every hour of the day. Particularly from Lisa Kudrow and Kristin Milotti's characters, who felt like they were copy and pasted from reality. I would recommend Death to 2020 to everyone. True, it isn't nearly as good as Charlie Brooker's Wipe series, but then how could it? This is a year beyond satire, so instead, let's look back at it the best we can, and, where possible, point and laugh at it. Because, baby, it's only going to get much weirder. I'd say it was a train wreck show, but that would be unfair to trains and so will this be on Quibi? Present. Final presence. Final present. This is the one that we think is the best one that we're going to give to each other. Yes, yes. We That's do. what we're saying. This is the one that we've held out for. I see yours is about the same size as mine. That's interesting. Oh, yours is in a lovely wrapped box. It's the best wrapped of the three that yeah, I did in very, four seconds. It is beautifully um, Congratulations. I hope... This is a new one, or it might be a, a flash Ooh. from Christmas past. You open yours first. Oh. Ooh. What the hell could it be? A new one? Stanley. I'm turning off my brain so I can't guess what it is. I want it to be a complete surprise. The box has no... <gasps> no <laughs> way! <laughs> no way! It's Dinobot! It's from... You've heard us talk about Beast Wars. Mate, 
Open your present. <laughs> oh, hello. Open your present. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Dinobot with his sword tail. It's the, so yeah, it's the oh. original Beast Wars from the 90s. And oh, my God, you've got me. That's so weird. Oh, my God. You've got me Rhinox from the original Beast Wars. What the hell? I can still remember how to do it. Did you own it? I couldn't remember if you already had it. I, I've lost all my toys. Okay. I don't know where they've all gone. Oh, oh my god. Why not? That's the weirdest thing. That's We've so mental. Both got each other toys from the original 1990s Beast Wars Transformers <laughs> cartoon. That is not planned. That <laughs> there, is, was no, there was no discussion. No discussion. That what it, the only thing that's missing on your one is the blade in the sword. Right, that's but I figure that. a bit of tin foil and a cocktail stick would Absolutely do that. Absolutely fine. Ah uh, yes, and it's your one's broken. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, it, I, they didn't say it on the bloody description. Where's his hide gone? I've lost his hide. It pinged. It's just a bit. It oh does, no, it's it, uh, it does connect back on. I think that probably was meant to fall out. Oh, wow. I never had Rhinox. This is a blast from the past. Well, I was thinking, I wanted, I wanted you to, I, I, if we're planning from the start, you've now got three Maximals. Oh yeah. Um, but I, Dinobot did once defect to the Predacons. <laughs> so. No, he was the other way around. He was a Predacon. And then he def oh, he defected. Yeah. He, he went back. He, he was, was undercover, wasn't he? Sick of Megatron. Uh, um, maybe. He got killed and then came back as a clone, a Cyberclone. What? Okay, so just so people are aware, <laughs> Dinobot has a spinning action on his rotary blade. Um, this is so cool. This is taking pride of place. <laughs> oh man, God! They don't make toys how they used to. This is absolutely beautiful. Well, Beast Wars. I mean, yeah. Number one, it's really good. It's also the first time they use ball joints. So actually, when it breaks, it's not the. It's not a bad thing. You just pop it back on. Uh, yeah. Um, I've got to be honest, this is one of my favourite presents I've received in years. <laughs> Yay! This is the best present you've ever got me, I think. Oh, well, I this don't is... even understand what's going on with mine. Where does his legs go? So, um, anyone who can get access, the DVDs are currently super expensive to get. Oh, are they? Did you look um, them up? Yeah, a couple of months ago I looked them up and they're like hundreds because they're like collector's items now and they haven't re-released them. They're the most well-written... Um, like animated series you could hope to find. They're oh yeah, no, they are. They're, um, they're Shakespeare level. Like some yeah, of it's really. It's so good and it's funny. And it, yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh my god. What? I feel like it's missing something for the gun. Oh, has it got? We've both got missing weapon thing. But I don't know what it was supposed to be. It was like a Gatling gun, wasn't it? It was a Gatling gun. What's this thing? Oh, that must be his sword. That he didn't have in the show. All right. So that. We'll have to make some... We're going to have to, yeah, make some artificial weaponry. Well, thank you, mate. That's awesome. What a lovely piece of Christmas joy for all our fans to witness. <laughs> we both got ourselves toys from one of our favourite cartoons as a kid. Having... We didn't even talk about it. It's, even... not, it's not like it was... Um, we were talking... I would, would talk about Beast Wars. And yeah. I had this idea of buying you Beast Wars. That, never, that didn't happen. Oh, well, that's awesome. Okay, thank no, you. No, thank you, mate. That is incredible. Incredible. Well, we're ending on a Christmas miracle. That's wonderful. Um, absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Incidentally, yes, I hope you enjoyed our five Christmas crackers. They were quite a lot of fun to make. 
They were very fun to make. Um, obviously, uh, Josh's um, dinner party was f- wonderful. That's probably my favourite one. Um, and we need to mention you as um, Boring Bill, um, the Jiffy Bag enthusiast. Yes, I suspect he's coming back. He will be coming back. That's a that was a a, a a little taster. The thing is with that, like. You slipped into that with absolutely no effort whatsoever. It was so natural to you to sit down <laughs> in that doorway and cover yourself in pseudocreme and milk and chicken and be genuinely disgusting. It was wonderful. I just do more stuff like that. A hundred percent. We're going to, yeah, more sketchy stuff. Um, yeah, a new thing from the new year. Yeah, and I think a little bit more well-planned. It's worth saying as well that, like the 31 Days of Horror before them, there was about an hour's planning. Yeah. Like, there weren't, there was no thought in those. It was literally, here's a strip, bosh it out, right. Mm. <laughs> Done. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Which, are, which is becoming our, our thing lately. Yes. Um, before we go, um, obviously it's the end of the year. Um, next year, we are doing... The more crazy stuff than we've ever done before. Like we're doing, we're 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 trying something completely new, um, and it's going to be awesome. And keep listening, like because it's going to be yes. stuff. It's going to get real. Oh, it's going to get really real. Oh my god. Um, well, obviously we need to get a couple of strains out of the way first of this damned coronavirus. Yeah, that's holding back a lot of our plans at the moment yeah. but you know it's not just us so we'll keep on keeping yeah. on we'll get we? some money in the kitchen we'll get some equipment which will allow us to do some very Ooh. cool stuff Ooh. Mm. interesting okay cool well thank you so much for listening uh, we've waffled on quite a lot this time um, but yes this is our bumper Christmas special I hope you had a wonderful holiday as best you could anyway yeah, absolutely. Um, a wonderful Merry Christmas and a New Year to you. Please follow us on all the things that Adam is going to tell you to follow us on because I forget. Yes, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hollowdale Media. Follow us on Patreon if you like our stuff at, at www.patreon.com slash Media. And we'll be posting updates and stuff on there. Do subscribe to our YouTube channel as well and don't miss out on the good stuff. Absolutely. Do it. Cool. Well, thanks so much uh, and we'll leave you... Uh, with some bells ringing. Some bells Can ringing. Can you hear the bells? Yeah. Keep ringing the bells. Did you know? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wig. Oh. No. I'm going to go play with my toys. Oh, my God. We've almost forgot the pies. Oh, shit. Wait, oh, oh. That's the last one. Oh, this oh. has to be the still one, yeah? It has to be the still one. Oh. This is them. I'm going to go it's a grand brain still and fight. It's the best pie of the lot. It's the best pie of the lot. It's got cranberry and silton in it. It's got quite a strong taste of cheese. It's got too much taste of cheese. A little bit too much it's, taste of cheese. It's stronger than actual stilton. I'm putting it down now. Not gonna eat anymore. Gonna have that tomorrow. Good. Too much in my mouth. Bye. Christmas, you wonderful old building alone! 
in jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> 